The Sisu Way, Episode 2, Strong-Willed. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone. And so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor living friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a father, husband, law enforcement professional, eternal optimist, with an open mind and unconquerable soul. This is The Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and choosing strength, all while recognizing the humor in life. Now, I mentioned the humor in life here, and that kind of it stems back to what Dan Millman wrote. And Dan Millman was the author of one of my favorite books of all time called uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And he said that life has three rules, paradox, humor, and change. Paradox, because life is a mystery, and he says don't waste time trying to figure it out. Humor, you know, to keep a sense of humor, especially about yourself, you know, it's a strength beyond all measure and change because nothing ever stays the same. Now, the poem I read is by Rudyard Kipling, uh, entitled If. And it was first published in the Brother Square Toes chapter of Rewards and Fairies in, uh, from a 1910 collection of verses and short stories. It's kind of centered around British stoicism and, and masculine rectitude. Uh, and I read it because it's entitled um, If, and it talks about um, putting the strength and belief into his son, which is what I'm going to tie into this episode. And if you'll notice in a lot of these episodes, I'm going to read poems, quotes, short stories. They're going to change, but they're going to have something to do with the episode that follows. Now, a couple of other things that I'm going to do in a handful of these uh, episodes is Explain what Sisu is, S-I-S-U. A lot of people don't know what that means. 
uh, it means different things to different people, but the word itself is a Finnish word, and it's something that takes a lot of a lot of paragraphs in English to really try and explain what it is. But to clarify, in the way I identify it, is that it means strength and determination in the face of adversity, persistence, hope, grit, an unbeatable mindset full of courage, tenacity, resilience, willpower, triumph, and an unconquerable soul. Those are a lot of the the the, the characteristics of Sisu, and, and now the Sisu way kind of goes beyond just that particular uh, definition, but. I think that's something we're going to unravel together as this, as this project goes on and uh, we learn together. So a couple of um, admin stuff I'd like to go over. After, after my first episode, uh, when I finished recording, I went back in my house and I had this like overwhelming like, sense of relief and it was a feeling that I did not expect. You know, I've done plenty of podcasts. Uh, I've talked on the microphone. I've been on other people's podcasts. I've opened up about personal things, but there's something special about that last episode that very, I don't know how to really explain it. Maybe it was just exposing the vulnerabilities or recognizing uh, some of the, the, the pain still within me, but something felt a lot better and and something else that, that kind of hit me since then. And that is one that people actually listen to it. So thank you. But also the messages that I got from people, the emails, uh, the comments on, on my social media posts and, and the stuff that was put on iTunes. I mean, so far this has been, I'm recording on Friday. So it's been five days since I let that first episode, uh, loose and man for all the people out there that wrote in thank you um, for sharing your stories with me and I keep telling people that this is not um, it's not a me show I don't really want to make it necessarily about me I think it's just these universal lessons and adversity that we go through that I want to make this about but it's not a me show it's a we show and we have the choice to choose strength, to decide how to stand up after we've been knocked down. But more importantly, we have the opportunity to help others, to grow together, and to help each other up, especially in times of need. But even beyond that, even, even when it's not obvious, there are times that we need to help each other and actually have conversations with each other. You know, we always do the, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. You know, oh, cool, blah, 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 blah. But if you take any way, anything away from this episode, before I even get into what I want to get into, it's talk to your friends. Like, really talk to them. And, try to, and talk to them and see how they're doing. And don't try to respond with anything about you. Just completely take a few minutes and talk about them, focus on them, and only them and their emotions. You never know the type of struggle people are going through and how you can help them just by being a very caring, empathetic, active listener. And it doesn't take much. I should, I take that back. 
it does take a lot of work because you have to silence your own ego and silence that that natural response to want to reply to that person with a story about yourself. Hard hard to do, but if you if you make a conscious effort to do it, it's going to be worth it. And then when you help somebody else out, it actually helps you out. So this kind of like this show is full circle. So speaking of which, helping each other out, um, a lot of people gave me some really cool reviews on iTunes, and I wish there was a way that I could actually respond to some of the reviews on here on on iTunes. Um, I thought about this. I'm a little uncomfortable, kind of just reading these comments because I don't I I don't at all want to make this seem like I'm tooting my own horn or anything, but some of the, so some of the people out here, like Z-Man Columbus, he said, I listened to Scott on other podcasts and read his blog, The Sisu Way, and although he looks like the Terminator, uh, that's embarrassing, but okay, Scott has the heart of gold and amazing perspective and crazy times. Great first go, Scott, and I look forward to many more. So Z-Man Columbus, and his, uh, his title here is, uh, I'm going to try and get this right, but Audentes Fortuna uh, Javat definitely getting that wrong, but I know it's a, a, a Latin phrase for, um, oh, I just went blank. Fortune favors a bold. There we go. And it's actually, a, I remember from, a, it's a tattoo on John Wick on his back, if you guys did not know that. Uh, also from Ruben, he says, I don't really listen to podcasts, but I stumbled across this one. The first episode was raw and gave me an idea of what your project is all about. You did a really good job with it, and I look forward to the next episode. Thank you for bringing some balance to what is an otherwise crazy world. Your optimism and approach to life is something very special and to be admired. I have subscribed to your podcast, and I'm on this journey with you. I will be looking out for your next episode and spreading the word. Thank you. So, Ruben, thank you very much for that. And I hope to not let anybody down with some of these future episodes. Um, you know, as you can tell, you're, you're going to have all of me. and I'm going to be as honest as I can and try and put forth a really good episode for you guys. Because I know there's a ton of podcasts out there. There's music, there's books, there's all kinds of listen, things to listen to. And you don't have to take time to listen to my little podcast. So I really appreciate it. And to everyone else that made comments on there, just know that I read them. I take them to heart. And I sincerely thank you for them. Also, if you want to follow along, um, I just started a Facebook account called The Sisu Way. Uh, I'm not really sure how much I'm going to put into that because as this thing grows, I realize that I'm starting to put time into a lot of different little things, especially like social media things or blog posts and things like that. So I'm going to try and do my best to actually minimize the amount of extracurricular activities I do because I want to be able to stay focused on the actual podcast. And more importantly, I want to have as much time as I can to focus on my, my family and my kids. So, But I have the Facebook account out, th out there. I have the CCUA Instagram as well, as, long, uh, as well as myself, at one Scott McGee. And so please follow along. Uh, shoot me an email, thecsuway at gmail.com. And then, of course, please tell a friend uh, if someone needs some help or is going through a struggle. If there's something on the on the podcast that can help them, please please give them a referral. And um, again, I don't really want to ask for iTunes reviews, but I understand it's part of this process and and one way to get the podcast more 
uh, searchable or findable or whatever the words I'm looking for, I guess we need iTunes reviews. And so if, if those reviews helps other people find uh, what they may be looking for, then they're, they're definitely worth it. All right, so last episode I spoke about the generation uh, before me. I talked about uh, my father, and I, t- I titled it For Dad. This episode, I want to talk about the generation after me. All this th- stuff is going to tie in together, and I want to get a baseline of podcast episodes done um, so I can kind of set the tone and build off of the foundation of some of the stuff I'm going to share with you guys. Somebody wrote in that I should have an episode about myself. And so I kind of, you know, I went back and forth with that. And I realized that there's probably listeners here that don't listen to uh, the Wadcast or any of the other podcasts I've done. And so what I'm going to do is not necessarily a podcast about myself, but but I told him, and it's a friend of mine, his name is Chris, I told him to put together a list of questions that he thinks I should answer. So that's going to come up uh, in future podcast episodes. So what I want to do with this episode is, again, talk about the generation in front of me. And I've, I've written some blogs about this, and I've, I've put this stuff out on social media but there are certain things that I haven't published yet. Uh, I wrote Strong-Willed Part 1, uh, Connor, who's my second son, and I called it a Sisu story. And I wrote Part 1, I wrote Part 2, I wrote Part 3 that I never published, and then Parts 4 and 5 I'm actually not going to probably ever write because I don't think I'm ever going to be out of the dark. And I think I'm going to explain what I mean by that by going over some of this stuff. So I'm just going to jump into this and this is going to be some stuff that I wrote in my blog, but also some stuff that I've added. And so I'm going to start. So this is strong willed part one. The story may bring you thoughts of sadness or grief, but I want to change your perspective on that. Connor's story is a launch pad of strength, triumph of fortitude, and a celebration of resilience. I spent some time marinating my thoughts on how and if I should share the story. And obviously I made the decision to share this deeply personal information because I think it's important to share the story. It's unique to me, but stories like this are, are not unique, but they're unique to everybody. But there's a universal struggle here. So I've talked about this before on my social media, and I think I use the hashtag Connor Strength on Instagram. If you guys want to look those up and kind of follow uh, a little bit more in detail or look at some of the photos I posted uh, over the years. Uh, I've also talked about it on, on separate podcasts, but this is different. I'm going to share the story from letters that I've already written to both of my sons. This is a lesson I learned from the experience I wrote about and spoke about on the last episode for Dad. This letter that I'm going to share was written the day we found out Connor, at the time was only 22 weeks in utero, was very sick. 
this is the beginning of the Sisu way for me. March 23rd, 2015. Caden and Connor. This is my first time writing to both of you. Hopefully at some point in your life, you will look back on these writings with appreciation, honor, and use it for strength in your life. I hope that if all goes to plan, if we raise you to become the man I know you are capable of, then this goes without saying. I started writing after my dad, your grandfather, passed away a week after Caden was born. I was motivated to do so because of what I had found in my own baby book. I decided to look in it one day and found something my dad and mom had written to me when I was very young. To this day, it inspires me, and that is why I want to do the same for you boys. There are a few reasons why I'm starting this now. One of them is this. Time is a privilege, not a right. I asked my dad to write to Caden when he was very ill, and he never got the chance to. Life is precious, unexpected, and unpredictable, so I will continue to write. Today we found out that Connor is extremely ill. He is very anemic, has an enlarged heart, and suffering from high drops, which is a potentially fatal fluid buildup. There is fluid surrounding Connor's heart, abdomen, and the area between his scalp and skull. We found out that your mom's body has developed antibodies that don't match up to Connor's blood, which means her immune system is attacking the red blood cells in him. We met with a specialist today who gave us three choices on how to proceed. Eliminate the pregnancy, do nothing and let Connor naturally pass, or go through a series of very risky intrauterine blood transfusion, uh, blood transfusions every two to three weeks in hopes to keep Connor alive until he is term. The doctors informed us if we move forward with the procedures that there was a risk that Connor could be born with some complications such as deafness, blindness, cerebral palsy, etc. We have both been in a state of shock and worry today. I feel like I've been underwater all day and your mom hasn't stopped crying. We feel helpless because Connor is inside and sick and we can't do anything to help him. It is a terrible feeling as a parent. The pain I'm feeling now is what caused me to write today. I read one of my favorite poems called Invictus today several times to help me recalibrate and strengthen my spirit. Here it is. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how char charged the punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. We've decided to drive on and fight. We will not let this beat us. I don't care what the challenges are. We are going to get through this dark time and come out stronger on the other end. Your mom and I are going to see the doctor tomorrow to come up with our plan. 
We have to keep you healthy so you can grow as much as you can. When it is safe to bring you out, we will do so with everything we can to keep you safe. This is not over. We all have a lot of work to do. Stay strong. Dad. This next part I wrote three months after the words of part one. It's not what happens to you, but how you react that matters. And that is a quote from Epictetus or Epictetus. Uh, a little side note on that. He is he wrote one of my favorite books of all time called The Art of Living. You gotta repeat it, The Art of Living by Epictetus. And that's E P I C T E T U S. And uh, if you guys actually look up the hashtag Sisu Way Book Club on Instagram, you'll see a handful of books that I've used that hashtag on that I bring up on my show. Back to the letter. Every obstacle is an opportunity. I truly believe that. In this case, the obstacle gave Connor the opportunity to live. At this point, we have been through five intrauterine blood transfusion five intrauterine blood transfusions and have kept Connor alive. And again, a little side note here, the intrauterine blood transfusions were uh, full-blown surgeries that we had to go um, drive pretty far to go to a hospital, get admitted for surgery, and a very skilled doctor, you know, very skilled, lifesaver, he would do take a special needle and do blood transfusions. The needle would go through the, through the skin, through the stomach, into the womb, and into a vein on the little baby. It was a fetus umbilical cord. And that's like, I don't know, I, I, I can't even fathom how to do that. But he did it, and very appreciative. Back to the letter. The doctor successfully transfused Connor's blood through a long needle that went through Amanda's stomach, into her womb, into a vein in the umbilical cord. We are very fortunate to have this option. Here's why. During this process, we were getting regular ultrasounds to check the status of Connor's high drops, and that is his uh, cranial uh, and body swelling and enlarged heart. At one of our standard ultrasounds, he switched over to a type of ultrasound that shows blood flow. What he saw was another very rare condition called vasoprevia. Vasoprevia, in our case, was a fetal blood vessel from the placenta that was crossing over the entrance to the birth canal. If that vessel ruptured, Connor would suffer from rapid fetal hemorrhaging and die within minutes. The fetal mortality rate is estimated to be as high as 95%, if not diagnosed before birth. Amanda your mother was immediately put on bed rest, even though she had been crossfitting almost daily till then. We needed to restrict her movement as much as possible and for as long as possible. We prepared for the worst and hoped for the best. The doctors wanted her in labor and delivery for seven weeks antepartum in hopes at delivering at 35 weeks. We met, managed to settle on four because she didn't want to be away from Caden that long. So you see, the initial obstacle was Connor's blood disease. But without that obstacle, we would have not had the opportunity to have the ultrasound that most likely saved his life. Let me repeat that. The initial obstacle, Connor's disease, the blood disease, the fatal disease, 
Without that, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to find the other problem that it pointed out. This was not the end of the path for us, and the obstacles became the path, and we are grateful for it. Here's the letter I wrote my first, my firstborn and unborn son. The letter here was on June 23rd of 2015 at 10.42 p.m., and this is the night before Connor was born. Boys, we made it this far. A date your mom and I envisioned and dreamed about since we learned about the kale antibodies and the vasoprevia. I'm sitting in the garage at my desk on the eve of Connor's birth. I'm calm, humbled, and restless to see my son take another step towards us all being together. As I type this, your mom is at the hospital for her 19th night and Caden is inside sleeping. I'm watching him on the baby monitor sleep with two teddy bears in his crib. We practice calling the smaller one baby to help him get ready for his baby brother. The last few weeks have been tough on everyone. Your mom has been stuck in the hospital without freedom of movement, without Caden, without actual sunlight, fresh air, etc. But it is what is necessary to give Connor the best fighting chance at life. Caden is currently two years and almost nine months. He has done very well considering that mom has been gone. In fact, I don't even think uh, he could have done better in the situation. He is a happy and adorable little dude. My biggest concern right now is Connor's health. We know he will need at least one more blood transfu transfusions once he was born and will spend some time in a neonatal intensive care unit, but we don't know for how long. As close as he came to not making it, I'm extremely appreciative of the doctors that help us get to this point. I'm optimistic and look forward to meeting you, Connor. All I ask is that you be a good person and follow your passions. I will help guide the way. I want to talk about the first time Connor inspired me. When mom and I found out about the blood vessels and the vasoprevia, it felt like my heart had jumped out of my chest and hit the ground. I immediately grabbed it off the ground, slammed it back on my chest, and asked how we can fix the issues. We were scared but optimistic. The days leading up to the first blood transfusion, mom had not felt Connor move at all, and we were worried he might not have made it. When we finally got to the hospital, we, they did an ultrasound, and we heard an amazing sound, uh, the amazing sound of his heartbeat. After they took mom away for surgery, I stayed in the waiting room. About two hours later, the doctor came out to talk to me. He seemed to be walking in slow motion with some staff members at his side. The doctor told me that Connor's blood was as thin as water with a hemoglobin level of 2. When, and the normal was 14 to 16. Heart failure had begun and he was severely anemic. The doctor could only bring his hemoglobin level up to an 8 in fear it could cause a heart attack. He also had to sedate Connor to stop him from moving around during surgery. That night, mom and I were sitting on the couch as she was recovering from surgery. Hanging our heads kind of low, it felt like time was moving really slow and we were underwater. We were just sitting there, just staring at nothing. 
like the kind of the kind of nothing where like your face just feels like it's hanging off your skull. Then all of a sudden, your mom quickly reached over and grabbed my hand and put it against her tummy. I mean, she brought it over and just to smack, grabbed my hand and pulled it right over to her stomach. You know, I sat there, I was confused for a second, then it happened. For the first time, I felt Connor move. And this set my soul on fire. This was not a regular movement. This was a spirited kick. He front kicked my hand off of the stomach. He was vigorous. He was energized. This took any self-doubt, self-pity on me, probably forever. And I thought to myself, this kid is strong-willed. And that is why we picked the name Connor as his name. It means strong will in Irish. And you, Connor, are. Thank you for inspiring me at such a uh, young age, my son. Stay strong, Dad. And this is going to be part three. And now before I get into part three, um, a lot of people have asked me like certain things that are, are... I shouldn't say a lot of people. A few people ask me, like, how did this whole thing start? Or um, did I always have this kind of, like, optimistic view on life? Um, The answer is, well, kind of yes, and I'll get into that in future episodes. But it was that moment that Connor's kick just completely sent a jolt of life through my whole body. I mean, I felt like my whole body got the chills, but like in a very positive way. And I felt like the hair on my my head stood up. And I felt like the timing of that reminded me and kicked my butt back to the, you know, Positivity Street USA and said, stop hanging your head low, Dad. Let's get this on. Um... You know, he's he's um he's two now and I'm still I'm still very grateful for that moment. June twenty ninth, twenty fifteen. You are still in the NICU. And the NICU is a is a intensive care unit for uh very, very small babies, if you don't know. It was June 24th, 2015. At first, we didn't know if you'd make it that far. The doctor, who was your fetal doc, gave us several options on how the process would look. This was a case he hadn't seen before, which says a lot about how special you are coming from a world-class doctor. We were discovering it along with many people in the medical field. Early on, the decision was made to continue to do intrauterine blood transfusions every two to three weeks, starting around week 21. The last one was done uh, 32 weeks followed by your mother being hospitalized at um, a hospital in Los Angeles in the labor and delivery section. While at the hospital, there were several people that visited and made the stay easier for her. Uncle Paul spent a lot of time there, and he was like your mom's little brother. Uncle Paul, Aunt Nana, Uncle Sean, Aunt Kara have all been very special piece, people to us and your brother. They have been there for us through this entire process and have given us the best friendship a family can ask for. 
Since mom was in the hospital with you, Caden had a team that stepped up to help with him. Since he was only two years and nine months old, your grandmother, Emma, and I tag team in taking care of him. And I can't wait for you two to meet. Watching you two grow up together will easily be the best part of my life. After being at the hospital for almost three weeks, the time had finally arrived to take you out. We walked to the operating room, which is not far from where you were. Once they were ready for surgery, they called me in. I secured the mask on my face and calmly walked in. I had to show strength and calmness for your mother, who I could tell was nervous. We did not know exactly what to expect, nor how you were going to be. And after all this time, we were about to find out. Then it happened. I watched them bring you into this world. One of the first things I saw, besides how small and perfect you looked, was the umbilical cord was wrapped tightly around your neck, twice. Then the doctor quickly unraveled it, and the nurses took you over to the warming table in the corner of the room. I saw them lay you down on your back. There were several people standing around, so it was hard for me to see everything. One of the things I saw was a doctor or nurse giving you breath compressions with one of their tools. I did not think anything of it at first because I thought it was normal to do that. Maybe it helped get fluid out. Then I noticed you were not crying. I stayed calm and kept assured, uh, assuring mom that she was fine and that you were fine and that she was doing a great job. She could not see you from her position. Once you started crying, they cleaned you up and brought you over to mom so she could see you for the first time. And I have a picture and video of this moment. I later found out that you were not responsive. You were blue and not breathing when you came out. The cords took their toll. You had an APGAR score of one. That one point probably came because you had a heartbeat. The compressions you were receiving breathed air into your lungs. But just like you have been this whole pregnancy and birth, even your first week, you are strong-willed and resilient, and Daddy loves you for it. I do more than love you for it. I thank you for the inspiration. You have a fighting spirit, my son. They took you to the neonatal ICU for treatment, which is where you currently still are. They hooked you up to oxygen and IV monitors for heart rate, temp, and even your blood oxygen level. There was a, even a blue tube going from your mouth, now nose, into your stomach to help with gas buildup and food. These are just small hurdles and challenges that you have already begun to overcome. They took you off oxygen sooner than expected, and you are already able to tolerate more milk than expected. I am always impressed by your triumphant spirit in the face of adversity. My dad wrote in my baby book in 1983, and at the end he wrote, go get him. And that is exactly what you are doing. July 8th, 2015. Our baby boy Connor is still in the NICU. Can't say for sure when he will come home, even though we were close a couple days ago. The antibodies in him are still attacking the red blood cells he is creating, which is also at a slow rate due to all the previous blood transfusions. He's on a couple meds to help with the antibodies and the creation of red blood cells. He's also back on oxygen and an IV. Looks like he will need at least one, maybe two more blood transfusions this week. He doesn't even have a blood type yet because of all the transfused blood. These are the consequences for the procedures 
that saved his life. While this might appear to be bad news, I don't see it that way. While it's hard to see him with all these kinds of wires and tubes attached to him, they are there to help him regain strength. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We just have to make it there. And there is no doubt in me that says we won't. This is just a life speed bump, and my son has an unconquerable soul. So, I wrote these letters um, and kept them. I have them in a lot of a lot of different ways because I'm worried like if I have them on a piece of paper that I might lose that piece of paper. I've put them on the intranets and thinking that they will be discoverable. And now I've articulated them on this podcast in my hopes that all these records, that my sons one day will be able to find them. A couple of things I want to tie together. Uh, in some of these letters, I referred to some of the stuff that my dad wrote to me. I also talked about it on the last podcast for dad, episode one but I didn't really talk about anything that they wrote. So I want to go back further in time and share just a few of the things that um, my parents were able, able to share with me. This is from June of 1979 from my mom. This is the same month that I was born. My wish for you is what every mother wishes must wish for her child for you to grow into a happy and healthy person this world is only as you make it always let your heart and common sense rule your deeds and you will live a beautiful life and be a beautiful person thank you mom and I love you and I hope I've lived up to your advice And this is from my dad. And there's some ironic parts in here. Um, Number one, he wrote this. um, I was about 21 months old. And so he didn't write this when I was born. And he starts off. This is of this is March of 1981. My son. I write to you very late. (laughs) No kidding, dad. And for that, I am sorry, but I blame my shock. So with that being said, ironically, um, 35 year difference here. And he, he still wrote to me very late. And he says for that, I'm sorry, but I blame my shock. And so dad, I completely forgive you. And thank you. So he says, You must remember to love only that which pleases you. Be humble and smart. Have a great deal of compassion, character, and strength. I will be the best father to you, and I only ask that you are what my son is capable of. You shall learn much in your life. I love you and your mother ever so much. Go get them. 
Oh. <sighs> it's very interesting for me to see this um, full circle. And, you know, when I wrote these letters to my son, I don't remember reading this particular portion of what my dad wrote in 1981. Uh, you know, he writes about, you know, being humble and smart, having compassion, character, and strength. Um, and I hope I've made him proud. And I hope, uh, I hope he understands. And I also hope to all you out there that have, um, especially if you have kids, to set the example for them. You have the opportunity to do that. You have the the the. It's more than a responsibility. I don't look at it as a responsibility. I look at it as an opportunity to set the example for them and to love them and to teach them to believe in themselves. Uh, my mom always tells me, especially, well, it doesn't matter if I'm going grocery shopping or going to the store, uh, let alone go to work, but she's always hoping that I'm staying safe or staying out of trouble or no one tries to hurt me. But I remind her that like, it's not possible for that to happen, first of all. But I told her that I'm strong enough to deal with it. And I think that is something that, as a parent, is something that we really wish for our kids. And I'm really proud of my parents and grateful that I had the love and, and treatment that they gave me. And it's something that... Uh, I'm going to have to talk to my mom more about. Another idea that I want to, I'd like to provide for everyone is you don't necessarily have to have podcasting equipment. You don't have to be a super awesome writer. There's technology out that everybody has in their pocket that can create an interview with their loved ones. Obviously, getting someone to write, and a lot of people have written into the show or written into me, and and shared their stories, which I completely am um, grateful for, and I read with a heavy heart. And I'm completely humbled that someone, some of you out there that have taken the step forward to writing for your kids or your or your parents or having your parents write for you. Um, but another option is grabbing your phone, pulling out a little voice recorder and talking to them. It might not even hurt just to turn it on and talk to them. When my father passed away, I listened to one of his voicemails, like a standard run of the mill voicemail, like over and over. Cause that is what I had recorded of his voice. So, uh, get out there. Love your friends, love your family on purpose. Actually take a moment to do that relationship like on purpose. I know there's a lot of us out there that have like hobbies and things that we're dedicated to. Um, I'll take CrossFit for example. People will go to a CrossFit gym and for that hour, whatever that workout is, they're pouring out their soul into it. They're putting everything they got into that workout. 
you always see at the CrossFit gym, you see people laying on their back, right? Rolling around in pain because they've given that workout all that they got. Once in a while, give your relationships all that you got. Because that's what we have. That's what's important. That's what's important with families. That's what's important in leadership is people and relationships. So give a little bit of effort on purpose. Love on purpose. Call somebody you haven't talked to in a while. If you, if you have that urge, don't stifle it. Never stifle a generous impulse. So Connor's story is something that uh, I definitely wanted to put out into the open. I want everyone to know that kind of story. I know there's a lot of people going through something completely worse than that. Uh, I also want you to know that uh, you're not alone and there's people out there that can help you. If, you're, if your loved one or kid is in the hospital, it hurts, but just know that everything they're doing there is going to help them get stronger. Fast forwarding to the current times, Car- Connor is uh, alive and well. He is strong-willed as ever. Um, when he was born, I kept checking this to see if he could hear me, uh, to see if he could see. I would wave my hands in front of his eyes. I was doing all kinds of weird little tests to see if he was okay because I felt like he was walking such a tightrope that at some point he was going to fall off. And then one step after another, um, we received good news. I still don't feel like we're out of the woods. And I probably never will. There's a lot of people out there that I've talked to that had uh, similar stuff with their kids when they were in, in utero and when they were young babies. And I have a friend that has an 18-year-old. And they still want to admit that they're out of, you know, out of the dark when it comes to health issues. But... Another point I'd like to make about it is that when this was all happening, I begged for like the ability to hear my son cry. I did not know if he was going to live. So having the ability to hear him crying would be a complete blessing. That means he's alive and breathing. Even that 3.30 a.m. cry when you just want to go to sleep and you slept for like six minutes that night, having him cry. I remember hearing, I just want to hear him cry. So going through this struggle has recalibrated me a whole bunch because sometimes when he does cry over and over and he doesn't stop or he gets mad and frustrated, uh... I, in turn, start to catch myself getting mad and frustrated at him as a parent, like we do sometimes with young kids. But I get recalibrated. I get recalibrated that he's healthy. He's happy. He's a, he's a good kid. He laughs. He plays. He jumps. He can run. He can grab things with his hands. He can feed himself. He can play ball. He has a sense of humor. He laughs. He plays peekaboo. These are all, all these little tiny things are not guaranteed. And they're a complete blessing. And if it wasn't for Dr. Schmite, our doctor, our, neo, our, our neonatal um, uh, surgeon, 
I wouldn't know Connor. I wouldn't be here talking about him. I wouldn't know his strong-willed soul, his strong-willed personality. So life is very, very precious. It's not guaranteed. Even the health of, of our loved ones going to the store and coming back healthy is not a guarantee. Each day is like a, a festival. It's a party. So just take a moment to appreciate that. Take a moment to appreciate your cranky, whiny kids. Appreciate they can do that. Look around, take a breath, and try to see the world as if you don't belong here. As if you're living on borrowed time. Because we all are. We only have a short amount of time here. So you might as well have fun and appreciate it while it's here. And remember, health is wealth. Vulnerability is strength. And strength is a choice. You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. So choose strength and be unconquerable. Stay strong.